0: Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast, right here on Arsblog.com. I'd love to be able to tell you that this is one of the most upbeat, positive, cheery podcasts you'll ever hear in your life, but the harsh reality is that it's, um, well, it's not, because, well, let's face it, things on the pitch haven't been exactly brilliant. And that's the way it works, isn't it? This is a, a week-by-week thing. One week we're up, the next week we're down. And it's all down to the team, really. What they do affects our mood. And this week, I can't imagine anyone's mood is particularly good, which is a bit of a shame because I like it when things are good. It's just much better when we win and much better when we play well and when the results are good and when at least it looks like we give a shit. I don't take any great pleasure at all in seeing us play badly or seeing us lose. I know there are some people out there who really do appear to But then again, there are some people who like to have their chest pooed on by a donkey before they have sex with a falcon. I don't claim to understand them in any way, but I accept the fact that they're there. And this week has been, well, pretty bad. The Leeds game was not great, and the Ipswich game was even worse. With me in a few moments' time to talk about those... Games will be Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. Uh, Internet Joe will be along. We've got uh, R. Shavin, He'll be here, and he'll explain exactly why he's in such bad form. That's coming up a bit later on, and as well as that, we'll look ahead to the West Ham game tomorrow, uh, when we need to get things back on track. So let's start with what's happened between the last Arscast and this one. Well, the Leeds game of the weekend. Uh, you know how much I wanted to beat Leeds. In the end, I was very grateful that we got a draw right at the very death. And I know some people afterwards questioned whether or not we deserved anything from the game, but I think we did. I think we definitely did. I certainly don't think Leeds deserved to win it. We had chances and should have done better with them. Story of our lives, really, isn't it, at the moment? And then, of course when you don't take those chances and give away a a stupid, ridiculous penalty like the one Danielson did, well, you're always going to make life a bit more difficult for yourselves and uh, Chesney made a good save and we brought on Walcott and Fabregas and in the end, that's what made the difference. Uh, Theo pulled back in the box and uh, Sesk stepped up and scored the penalty and we get a replay. And uh, FA Cup replay, we've been here before many times. No big complaints. I'd rather be in the cup than out of the cup, that's for sure. But... If we thought that performance might wake us up going into the game against Ipswich on Wednesday night, well then, we were wrong. And that's a disappointment because um, the way we played against Ipswich and the way we approached the game was pretty bad. It was another example of one of those games where we we thought we just had to turn up, pass the ball around a bit. Eventually, we get a goal and probably another one, and then they might score, and it'd all be a bit, ooh, hang on at the end, but uh, we'd win it, and it wasn't like that at all. And I made the comparison on the blog between uh, the Chelsea game and the Ipswich game. Now, the Chelsea game is the way that this Arsenal team should play. Not just against Chelsea, and not against Man United, and not against Barcelona. That is the way it should play every game. The commitment, the energy, the aggression, the pressing, it's difficult, and it's tiring. Absolutely, I accept that, but it brings rewards. Look at the scoreline. Arsenal 3, Chelsea 0. When you don't do that, you put yourself in real danger of being punished. And Arsenal didn't do any of that on Wednesday night against Ipswich. Above all else, I don't want to go into the individual performances, and we all know who played badly and who played worse than badly. Um, But the thing that, that got me was the amount of times the ball dropped in midfield without a challenge from an Arsenal player. Nobody anywhere near it either from a kick-out, from the second ball, it's bouncing around in midfield, and we're not even trying to win the ball. And that's what got me, and that summed up Arsenal's attitude. Complacent, bit lazy, not really into it, and it's fairly unforgivable considering it's a cup semi-final. Now, I know it's two legs and it's only half-time, so to speak, but it's a cup semi-final. And you're trying to win a trophy for the club for the first time in five years. I don't know how many times you got reminded of that during the commentary on Wednesday night. I think three times in the first nine minutes. So it's important for this club and important for the uh, fans and important for the players to win something. To show that they can win something. But they went out there and looked as if they weren't arsed. And that was a huge, huge disappointment. And there's the difference. Work hard, beat Chelsea 3-0. Don't work hard, and you get beaten 1-0 by Ipswich, lying 19th in the championship, with no manager, having just been beaten 7-0 by Chelsea. So it wasn't a good showing at all. And as I said in the blog, ultimately, you you have to ask questions of the manager. Because he is the one in the dressing room who puts his team out, who motivates them, who talks to them before the game, who stresses to them the importance of, you know, what it is they're going to do for the 90 minutes. Clearly, he can get them up for a game like Chelsea. He should be able to get them up for every game like that. And that's the difference between a side that is capable of a good game or a great game and a great side. And we're not a great side. We're a side that can turn it on sometimes, and when we do, it's absolutely fantastic to watch. But ask for any kind of consistency of performance, we don't have it. And it's not even consistency of performance, but consistency of effort and character. And I don't mind, I've said it plenty of times, if we go out and give everything and get beaten, I really don't mind. I do not have a problem with it. I do have a problem when an Arsenal team out there is not representing the Arsenal shirt well enough. And that's what happened on Wednesday night. A cup semi-final, and we play like that. I mean, what's going on? What, how can you go into a cup semi-final and play like that? And these are Arsenal's players, and he's the manager, and at every other football club, every other football club, the book stops with the manager. And it just seems to me, perhaps, there's a reluctance for the book to stop with Arsene among some fans. And I'm not talking about arson being her out or anything like that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that it's too easy to blame players. And I do it. I think everyone does it, where you go, well, he had a terrible game and he's shit and let's kill that one and let's bring this guy over here and chop his head off. But ultimately, these are all his players. Bought by him or brought through the system by him, all educated by him and the failings that we have, well, they they must come from him. The good things come from him, right? Everyone's happy to praise when uh, they see Arsenal play well. They say, well, Arsene Fenger he's a great coach, and, you know, he is. He is capable of making teams play brilliant football. But why is it when they don't play brilliant football, when they show the same weaknesses over and over again, the lack of character, the underestimating opponents, the, the weakness at the center of our defense, no questions then, or not enough questions. Maybe he needs to feel a bit more pressure. If he gets the props when the team play well, absolutely fine. But he's got to take some of the other side of it as well when they don't. So there you go. I am um, Disappointing. Hopefully, we can turn it around in the second leg against Ipswich, because frankly, the idea of not reaching the Carling Cup final is unthinkable. And frankly, the idea of not winning the Carling Cup, given the fact that it's us, Ipswich, West Ham... And Birmingham, as the only ones left in the competition, the idea of not winning it, would be fairly unthinkable too. So they've got a couple of weeks to uh, sort themselves out ahead of that game. Anyway, um, before we go and talk to Gilberto Silver, uh, here's Internet Joe. we Internet Joe. there's here's my 32nd roundup. Ah, oh, cook football, nothing like it. Lower league opposition. What could possibly go wrong? Leeds, this'll be routine. Ah, oh, come on, lads, where's the goals? Oh, De Nielsen gives away a penalty. He must be the worst Brazilian since Medusa got Edward Scissorhands to wax our minge. We're going to lose. Penalty,
1: no, penalty, yes, set. Save the day Ipswich in the cup this will be easy now. Lads, what the fuck was that? Even though it could be
0: Ipswich on me own. Internet Joe will return on next week's arsecast and you know he's the kind of guy who would get pooed on by a donkey and have sex with a falcon. You can tell by his face. I mean you can't, I can well yeah, take my word for it he would. You really, you really would. Uh, still to come, Shavin will be looking ahead to the West Ham game as well, but now with me to discuss all the joys of the week, I'm glad to welcome Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. Hello there.
2: Hello there. Uh,
0: not a particularly good week of cup football for Arsenal. It's brought us much joy down the years, but uh, this particular week and this last few days uh, hasn't been uh, as exciting as we might like. We'll start with Leeds because we can uh, come on to the Carling Cup uh, in in, uh, in due course and in, uh, I suppose, we'll in context with that but uh, he made a lot of changes for the Leeds game completely understandable Uh, the performance wasn't good uh, and it it took a penalty at the end to sort of get us out of jail and and get us a replay now while we accept the fact that uh, many of the players have spent time on the bench and it's not I, I don't think it's fair to expect them to come on uh, and, having not played for so long, be in brilliant form. I do, however, think we could expect better from them.
2: Yeah, I think so. And uh, when you look at the, you know, we beat uh, Wigan with a side in the Carling Cup with a side that was very much mixed up. We beat Newcastle. Uh, we beat Tottenham even with sides that were sort of, you know, of, of a similar calibre of player. Who'd been out the side and been brought in at short notice. Um, so we clearly have got the potential to go and do it. What was incredibly disappointing was. The malaise that seemed to be there among the players. I mean, there they just seemed to be an assumption that given time, eventually we would score and everything would be well. Um, what happened, in fact, was we ended up conceding a really stupid goal and very nearly found ourselves out of the cup.
0: Now, in comparison to to the Carling Cup game, which we'll come to, uh, we did make chances against Leeds and didn't take those chances. And then, of course, you know, we do our own self-destruct thing where we allow the opposition to to score a goal. Um, So there's a little bit of a worry that the chances that we're making in that particular game weren't being taken. And, And like you say, you talk about a malaise, and I think that was present in the Carling Cup game as well, that there are players who are... Really, particularly badly informed, and I know you're uh, a fan of of Andrei Arshavin, but he looks an absolute shadow of his former self now. Whether he's doing enough to to get himself out of that funk, I, I don't know.
2: But, no, no, you know, it may well be. You're absolutely right. I'm one of the people who's defended Arshavin more, certainly more than others. Uh, though one thing I would say is I don't know if he's been through a period like this in his career, and I don't know if he himself knows, you know, the way to get out of it. It's, it is actually quite, uh, I mean, it was incredible in the Leeds game that I was in the stands and the fans were very frustrated with the team's performance. And I think we were, you know, if our Shovin's number had gone up, which he seemed to think it had quite a few times, uh, I think we might have had one of those Aboué situations, you know, where the the Mm. fans really let out their frustrations. I think Nicholas Bentner as well uh, was Coming under that kind of pressure again, uh, and I can I can understand the frustration. It is for me more watching our Sharvin is, is sort of uh, quite painful at the moment because he is a guy with so much ability, um, and there's just been a couple of moments over these past two games where you know he's missed hit a shot or miscontrolled a ball, and his head's gone down. and And when that starts happening, it's very worrying because you know what makes a creative player potent is their confidence. When that's gone, uh, getting it back is a difficult thing to do. What I will agree with you on is that the way to do that, the way to get the lucky break that starts, you know, uh, the, the return to form is to run your arse off, essentially.
0: And, yeah, we haven't really seen that.
2: No, we haven't. And that's, you know, it's not, it's probably not something he's ever had to do, I should imagine. I mean, he was in a place in, in the Russian league where, you know, he was the undisputed star. It looked very much that way when he came into Arsenal and it hasn't, hasn't trans- it hasn't turned out like that. Um, and I think this is, Funnily enough, at 29 years of old, uh, not 29 years of age. Sorry, something of a learning curve for him. Um, I hope he can he can learn all the lessons he needs to and, and find form because I think we're a better side with him in. Mm. Um, if he doesn't, then you know, obviously, that's something that the manager has to take into account and, and look to address. I mean, I think the responsibility partially comes to in as well. He's got to find a way to motivate this guy because, you know, we've got a big few months coming up.
0: Mm, it's a test of character as, as much as, as anything else. Definitely. Um, all right, well, he, he didn't have a great game against Ipswich and, you know, he's not alone in that. Um, Ipswich had been beaten 7-0 by Chelsea and I know that it's a ridiculous thing to say because no two games of football are the same. Just because Chelsea beat Ipswich 7-0 doesn't mean we should beat them 7-0. But we put out a team that I think was more than capable of going to a team lying 19th in the championship without a manager uh, and winning the game. And I I pointed out in the blog that there's there's, this sort of chalk and cheese in terms of the performance and effort from the Arsenal teams, uh, the one that played Chelsea and did so well and pressed and and, uh, pressurized the opponents and forced them into mistakes, and the one against Ipswich that kind of sat back and went through the motions as if to say, well, you know, we'll get a goal at some point and then, you know, that'll be that. Um, we, we don't seem to learn this lesson because you can rattle off the games, can't you? You can rattle off Newcastle, West Brom this season, you can go back to the, that game against Hull. There are countless examples of how this Arsenal team goes into games ill-prepared, uh, perhaps in a, in, a, in, a, in a, not physically, but mentally ill-prepared for the opposition, that they don't think they have to do it. And that, uh, I think, has to, has to come back on the manager, because we can all point fingers at the players as much as we like, and we know there were some rotten performances, but at the end of the day, these are his players that he has bought and coached and educated and brought into the side, and it, it's surely up to him to put them out on the pitch with the right frame of mind and in the right frame of mind to give the effort required to win, to win the game of football.
2: I agree. I mean, there's been a lot of talk recently about team selections. You know, people were unhappy with the, the team that played at Wigan with all those changes. Uh, people might have said, well, you know, why weren't some of the bigger the guys like Nasri out there, you know, over this these past two cup games? My opinion is that, as you say, the team that we put out is almost always strong enough to win the game. It's always got some fantastic players in it. If you told someone that we'd be playing a Carling Cup match with Ces Fabregas, Andreas Sharvin and Theo Walcott all in the starting lineup, that would show you how serious we were taking the competition. What's worrying is that whoever plays, the same psychological problems seem to occur against some, against some opponents. And what was particularly disappointing about last night was that. Uh, we just didn't create a chance. We had no urgency. Um, you know, there was an opportunity to go and win the tie, I think, uh, and have, you know, m- render that second fixture almost redundant and b- for that to be a chance to take it a bit easy, you know, to be a bit laxadaisical As it is, we've now got a hugely pressurised 90 minutes coming up because going out of the, this cup at this stage with the teams that are left in it would be nothing short of a huge embarrassment.
0: Mm. I would agree with that, and the other thing I wanted to to touch on, and and we can talk about this in relation to what's required in in January, because I think you know uh, at this point we all know that a signing is required, but the the ease at which our defence was dismantled it's a it's a it's a congenital defect it seems at this point. Um, and
3: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: I thought Jura have been have been pretty good as a partnership uh, in general, mm-hmm. but w- we see this where a long punt downfield can completely and utterly take apart our defence mm-hmm. uh, and the centre of our, our defence in, in particular. Um, it looks bad for Thomas Farrell in the sense that they're having uh, they're putting him under the knife he's going to undergo surgery and we're told that the surgery is more exploratory than specific so they're looking to see what they can find uh, yeah. as to why he's out and that to me suggests that he's he's not going to play much of a part for the rest of this season yeah um Skilachi is injured got a hamstring problem um and to me, as a guy who hasn't quite settled in yet, uh, Juru has been out injured, could be, you know, all it takes is two injuries or two knocks in a game and, and we're down to, to no centre-halves. So the need for a new defender doesn't apply simply because we've got uh, Vermalin out. Um, I think we need it because we need to add something different to, to the centre of our defence. A signing is absolutely essential, I think, if we have ambitions to go on and at least continue to challenge
2: yeah i agree i mean what's extraordinary is if you look at the centre-backs that we have you know we made big changes in the summer Uh, we brought in two guys squalachia and koscielny for a significant sum of money i mean about 15 million pound between them Um, and do you know what for the life of me i couldn't i couldn't tell you if they're any good or not really it's very Mm. odd i mean koscielny has moments of being superb on the ball, you know, wonderful time tackles, great interceptions. He brings the ball out of defence brilliantly, but he seems to be liable. Uh, I mean, I know it's his first season in English football to sort of to make a rick and and to to cost you a goal. Squillacci is a sort of steady player, but has he got what it takes to play at the highest level? I'm not necessarily convinced of the options we've got. Jury is the man in form, Jury is the one who looks like, you know, a serious contender to, to be a regular starter in the team sort of uh, indisputably. The Vamalen situation is very worrying. I mean, you forget what a huge player he was for us last season. I mean, he, you know, he, he transformed the team in some ways with with what he added in terms of his aggression, his commitment, a little bit of organisation. Um if we can if we can buy into to replace him now, I'd be delighted i would love us to sign a solid experienced defender uh, ideally someone who knows english football ideally someone who is able to you know galvanize those around him try and add a bit of structure to our defending what, what worries me is that i find it hard to pick somebody out um, mm. and granted Arsene Wenger has a, a fleet of people who employs employees to do that job and uh, doubtless they know a, a hell of a lot more than me. But to have those specific qualities of being ready to step into English football uh, and be comfortable immediately uh, is tricky. And it wouldn't surprise me if if we end up with anything, it might be a stopgap uh, short-term solution a la Sol Campbell last year.
0: There's a bit of talk about Matthew opson
2: Well, that would be very much... That sort of signing. Mm. I mean, I, I'd be very surprised if if Matthew Upson came back, uh, just because of the the way in which he left the club wasn't entirely amicable. I think there was a, a lot of grievances on his part about feeling that he hadn't been given uh, the necessary opportunities, which he may well have had a point. You know, I think he felt a little bit uh, discriminated against on a part on account of his Englishness. Now, whether the opportunity to come back and play. Uh, champions league football again will be enough for him to forget about all that uh remains to be seen but i, I don't think it, that would be a disastrous signing i think he'd be a, a solid player a decent squad player but you know he's been playing almost every game for a west ham side who are you know right at the foot of the table mm. um granted he's got they've got a lot of problems around him but his track record in in recent uh years I don't think it's particularly impressive. And anyone who saw him uh, playing at the World Cup will have seen that at the top, top level, he did seem to struggle. Mm. And
0: isn't it, I mean, very briefly, I know you talk about a stopgap signing, and and to be honest, that's kind of what I see happening as well, because the manager will talk about January and being difficult to identify your targets outside, and clubs don't want a lesson to let their best players go. But isn't it about time that we stop with the stopgaps yeah, and, I mean, if and makes- really identified the pro- We know what the problem is. Let's go and fix it. And if it costs us an extra few million quid, well, to hell with it, because, you know, in the long term is what we need to do.
2: I agree. I mean, to me, you know, Squalachi is a stopgap as well. Mm. Uh, a guy who we bought to fill out the squad. I sort of think that, um, you know, we've been doing this for a long time now. Uh, Neil Warnock is a sort of hateful, sort of despisable individual but he did say a thing once where he said Arsene is a great manager I just wish he'd let me buy him a centre-back <laughs> um, I sort of think uh, he hits the nail on the head there a bit I mean it is a bit of an odd thing I sort of think you know go out spend a decent sum of money uh, on a good defender uh, you know we got it right with Vermeulen, um, and there's no reason that we can't do it again but we might need to take the plunge and for all Arsene says about January you know, he bought Emmanuel Adebayor, uh, who was cup-tied in January. He bought Andreas Arshavin, who was cup-tied in January. It's something he's done before. It's something that you can do. In some ways, the market is a clearer place in January. Clubs are sort of the bigger clubs aren't on the market as much. Um, so maybe there's an opportunity to go and to go and poach somebody. Yeah. I mean. Um, you know, you look at, uh, uh, just to throw a name out there, a guy like uh, Simon Kerr, the Danish defender, who just joined Wolfsburg a few months ago, that that club is in a terrible state. You know, their manager's on the verge of being sacked. They're not going to qualify for Europe. You know, it's worth testing the resolve of, uh, of these clubs at this time and seeing, you know, what... what you know, just we've got to make a push for it because it, our season could stand a fall on if we can bring someone in.
0: Mm. OK, very quickly, West Ham at the weekend, it's... Um well, anything other than three points fairly unthinkable. We need to get ourselves back on track. And, you know, like you say, they're right at the bottom. They're struggling. There's, I don't know how many people, I don't know why Avram Grant has a job, but, you know, if we do, if we can't beat an Avram Grant team that like West Ham, then, you know, I, I kind of fear for the, the reaction.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, West, I've been watching West Ham quite closely recently. Uh, I saw them play in the Carlin Cup on Tuesday night. They're not a good side at all. What they will do is they'll have a, great atmosphere uh, for a big London derby and they'll work hard you know they've got guys like Scott Parker Mark Noble's back and fit Uh, got Frederick Piquion runs his legs off up front so we just really you know we'll need to match them and if we match them of course we're the better football team and of course we'll go there and win Um, but you know we've had problems at Upton Park we we dropped points there was it last season Uh, and that was just through lack of concentration and we let them back into the game in a situation where we simply shouldn't have done uh, it may have been the season before, I can't remember. But all we need to do is focus, work hard, uh, bring in back in guys like Nasri, who are in you know, a richer vein of forms than those who played the past couple of games. And indeed, we should win.
0: All right. Okay, well, let's uh, keep fingers crossed for that. Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. Thank you very much.
2: That's a pleasure.
0: You can find Gilberto Silver in the usual places, Gunnerblog dot or on Twitter, twitter.com dot forward slash Gunnerblog. And speaking of Twitter, Arsene Wenger has been talking about his players using it, and as many of you know, there are quite a number of Arsenal players on there. Uh, some of them are very entertaining. Some of them are quite boring. Some of them, I don't know what language it is they're speaking, but they're out there and they're engaging with people. And in the light of the Ryan Babel thing, where he's been charged by the FA for tweeting uh, Howard Webb and a Man United. Sure. um it's interesting uh, to hear the manager speak about it um he's not going to ban it uh but he says it has to be in the interest of the club and not detrimental he said i don't like to go against progress because it's usually a lost battle Uh, but we have to sit together and see how we can use this in the best possible way he says the key is to think before you tweet it's kind of hard to imagine arsene wenger saying that think before you tweet And that kind of takes all the fun out of it. Jesus Christ, if I was to think before I tweeted most of the time, well, it probably would be better for most people. Well, certainly for John Terry, but fuck John Terry at the end of the day. So it's interesting. And while I don't think it's possible that they can stop social media like Twitter and Facebook and and players engaging more, and I think they just have to be aware, of course, that everything you say is being uh, looked at. Uh, For example, today there was an article, an article, and I use that word very loosely, in the Metro website. Um, Basically, some guy has gone on Twitter and found a load of Arsenal fans talking about Arshavin and Bentner in the light of the Ipswich game. And there's this big story now about how Arsenal fans have slammed Bentner and Arshavin. And, you know, of course, uh, anyone who's been on Twitter within two hours of a match ending that we haven't won 5-0 will know that there is a certain amount of uh, ire and overreaction and perhaps not a great deal of thought goes into many of the tweets. Um, So it's just interesting. I, I don't think it will be long before we have our own Ryan Babel type situation on our hands. I just have a feeling about one or two of them. They might just cross the line. Uh, my, my favorite of all, I have to say, even though he's not the most prolific, is uh, Wojciech Szczesny. Um He's really good value for, well, he's free, isn't he, on Twitter. But um, some of the stuff he says is really very funny indeed. And um, you can kind of see him take the piss a bit as well, which I like. There's a bit of intelligence to it, too. Um so there. Anyway, that's Arsene Wenger talking about Twitter and Arsenal players. Coming up, a look ahead to the West Ham game. Now, Arshavin explains all.
1: Hello, I am Arshavin, and uh, at the moment uh, not so good because uh, when play can hear uh, Arsenal fan in uh, stand shout at me when uh, don't score, they say uh, Arshavin uh, go make fuck with self and uh, you and your big belly. You are disgrace. And I say don't listen to them Boris. Don't listen. But Boris Belly he is a very sad little belly. (laughs) And I am sad little Russian because uh, I know fans are right. But uh, there is explanation for what happened. Um, uh, A boy. Uh, invite me to uh, his house for uh, dinner, and I go to dinner, and um, he boy wife put down uh, dinner on table, and I say, uh, uh, this is, uh, what is word, uh, filthy, disgusting uh, muck, so I ring uh, Domino's to get double stuffed crust pizza with uh, extra cheese, and uh, after dinner, a boy, children are playing, and uh, one of them has uh, bite me, and uh, I feel strange when go home, and ever since have been mm, very strange when someone knock on door. I want to uh, welcome this person into my home and give them top three things off uh, top of my head. I don't uh, understand. Uh, now I am uh, playing like a boy. And, uh, I have had enough. I know there is only one thing I can do now. It's uh, very difficult. Because I have family and it will be very hard. But uh, I have to take a boy into woods and shoot him in the face. Poor boy. Poor boy. But uh, after this, I should uh, score a goal again. So, uh, okay.
0: Well, there you go, then. And if you're ever invited round to Abue's house for dinner, don't let his children bite you. I think that's the lesson there. I think that's a good lesson to learn in general. Don't let anyone's children bite you. Because you could catch supernits or something. You know, these things children have. Anyway, let's look ahead to the West Ham game, and the team news is that Favianski is 50-50. Um, He picked up a shoulder injury, I think, in the warm-up against Manchester City, and that's been troubling him ever since, so uh, Chesney could continue in goal. Danielson, you'll be very uh, distraught to hear, has got a bit of a thigh problem and is a doubt. So, uh, well, we might as well give West Ham the three points now, to be honest. Uh, The other absentees are uh, Skelacci of course, with his hamstring, uh, Almunia, um, Diaby is out and Vermaelen out, but, um, I don't know the details of it, but I'm looking at the, the video on arson.com and the story maybe, uh, about Vermaelen having surgery might be a little premature. I know that it was definitely planned, um, but maybe some further tests, um, have shown that it's not necessary. Um, Arson says he has quite good news, um, but nothing Uh, particularly concrete about when he's going to return. Uh, He said there's uh, no long-term concern over his Achilles injury. Beyond the five or six months he's already been out, which is quite long in in general. Uh, It was ten days, you might remember, back in October, and Well, I don't know. If we see Vermaelen again this season, I'll be pleasantly and quite happily surprised. Uh, In terms of us, well, what can you do? You've just got to pick yourself up and uh, get ourselves back on track after the game against Ipswich. It's an important game because uh, obviously Chelsea are playing at three o'clock and then on Sunday it's Manchester United versus Tottenham. So there are uh, points going to be dropped by somebody along the way and we have to take advantage of that. West Ham are in terrible form, but uh, they're fighting for their life down the bottom of the table, and they'll give it a real scrap. And if we go into the game with the same kind of attitude that we went into the Ipswich game, well, I don't uh, don't think it's going to be a particularly pleasant result. If we can pick ourselves up and refine the attitude and the desire that we showed to win the Chelsea game, then I think we'll win. And three points are important, and the games are uh, coming you know, every three or four days now, so I suspect there'll be a bit more rotation, but um, we need more from some of our players. And fingers crossed we get that against West Ham. A Thomas Rosicki goal? What? No? What? No. Couldn't possibly happen. Anyway, uh, that's about that. All I'm hoping for, of course, is that this time next week when we're talking on the Cast, everything is a lot happier and rosier. So until next week's Cast, take it easy. I'll talk to you all week on the blog. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, to be perfectly
3: honest, I don't know why people don't like De mean He's a bloody great player. Bloody great. I mean, when you go to the football on a Saturday, do you want to go and see... What's that fellow? You know, the one that looks like a heroin addict who plays for Man United. night? Yeah, Fletcher. Nobody wants to go and see Fletcher or Tom Huddleton... You know, you want to go see the good guy The guy who can do something exceptional. You, you know, you're Messi or Madonna or Bergenkamp. One of those guys. That's what De I mean, astonishing, astonishing control. the Movement, pace. I mean, I couldn't keep up with him even though I was in my car at all. And the other thing, you know, about De Nielsen... People just... They can't get past his beauty. You know, the eyes, lips. It scares people. Beauty of that magnitude, it scares them. True. It's why nobody likes Helena Bonham Carter, you know. Yeah. Anyway, give the boy a break, I say. I mean, who would you rather have in your team? Nielsen or a hunchback dwarf crippled with spina bifida? What? (laughs) Fuck off!